Hi, this is Jeff Steele. Today we're reading Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 17. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call those, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. One day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn when, while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. Okay, so here goes Jesus, uh, once again, breaking all of the conventionally socially accepted norms. Sometimes I really do wonder what it would have been like to walk around in the neighborhoods where Jesus lived, where Jesus was hanging out. Like, what would it be like to bump into him at parties or somewhere? You know, what would I have thought of him? I'd like to think that I would definitely have recognized him for who he was and that I would have seen the value in the things that he said and that he did, but I'm not really sure that I would have. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because I'm a pretty good rule follower for the most part. Um, things that challenge my uh, mental image of how things are supposed to be. Sometimes those are a struggle for me. Like I get my mindset one way, this is the way the world works, or this is the way that it is. And then to challenge that, like that, that takes me a minute. Um, and so like the religious leaders, you know, they, they were the rule followers. They, they knew how things were supposed to go and how things were supposed to play out. And Jesus did not fit into their picture of that because you don't associate with bad people, right? You, you're not supposed to do that. Bad company corrupts good character. That's what I have always been taught anyways. And isn't that actually in the Bible? <laughs> That's in the Bible. I remember hearing that and being taught that as a kid. And, and, and so it should surprise no one that I, you know, as a kid, I needed to be the good one. I needed to be the one who followed the rules and the one who set a good example. I wanted to be careful about who I hung around with, like, like the wrong crowd. That's just a dangerous place to be, isn't it? And there is definitely some truth to that because peer pressure is a real thing. Uh, a crowd of friends who only drags you down, that's not a good thing. I hate to see a kid settle for being the person that his friends think he is. You know, when I think, oh man, this kid could be so much more. They could be so much more if they were just surrounded by people who encouraged and built them up instead of people who tore them down all the time. Um, Clearly, though, that was not an issue for Jesus. Um, and, and Jesus isn't really following the crowd here either. He's hanging out in places that the religious leaders were shocked by, but I wouldn't say he's following the crowd. He's not just going with the flow. 
Um, but he is definitely engaging the people that the religious people are afraid to associate with. So if I hung out in Jesus's neighborhood, I probably would have heard about his reputation. You know, I would have heard something like, man, uh, yeah, he's a good guy, but he doesn't, he doesn't really choose the best friends. He's, he's actually friends with sinners. And to Jesus, well, that's kind of the point. Why would a doctor limit his practice to only treating healthy people? Uh, yeah, that'd be a lot easier, but wouldn't that kind of miss the point? There's a couple different ways to practice your religion. One of them is to spend all your time with the right people. The ones who think like you, look and act like you and agree with you. They will build you up and they will encourage you to be whoever you and your friends have decided you ought to be. Surrounding yourself with people who are just like you, uh, and, and then those friends will help you to stay exactly as you are. There's some good in that, right? Um, there's also some challenge in that. Because the goal of that method of practicing your religion is to keep yourself undefiled. Undefiled with wrong opinions, wrong beliefs, wrong actions. Um, things that are caused by the influences uh, you know, of, of others the people who see the world differently than you do. And so you think, well, is that view wrong? I mean, not exactly. That's the practice. I mean, you, you think about like um, monastic orders, like monks, you know, who, who would hide themselves away in, um, uh, in these re sequestered religious communities, you know, and, and, and they did that in order to be closer to God, to shut out the distractions of the world and the influences of the world in order to be closer to God. And like, who, <laughs> who am I to tell them, no, you're doing it wrong, right? Like that's, that's, that's a pathway that they have kind of chosen. And so I, I, I can't say, well, no, that's wrong. But the other way of practicing your religion is to actually find the people who need the good news of the gospel the most and spend your time with them instead. We'd even suggest making friends with sinners, outcasts, the lonely, the disaffected, the helpless, the powerless. To engage with those who see the world differently and we fear, well, like, oh man, they might drag you down. You know, what if you start to see the world from their perspective? And there is some truth to that too, because I, I mean, I don't want my kids hanging around the wrong influences, right? I don't want them to start thinking, hey, it's totally fine to do this because that's how all my friends do it. Like everybody does it this way. And so that's totally fine. I, I don't want them to fall into that. Not if there's a better way. But what we see is Jesus seems to lean more into this second camp. And, and I think there is an important distinction yeah, Jesus was a friend of sinners. He ate with and associated with people that the religious leaders would never have gone near. Throughout the New Testament, actually, um, he, it, it keeps saying that, uh, it keeps referencing tax collectors and prostitutes. And I still just love that those two professions are always lumped together in the Bible, um, just because one of those professions today is very much acceptable and very necessary, um, and, uh, and, and the other uh, not so much. Um, but it just goes to show how much you know tax collectors were hated in Jesus' day. Um, but Jesus really rubbed shoulders with all those people, and, and he was also, at the same time, he was calling them to something. Like he didn't just blend into their culture and just become 
just like them. He didn't familiarize himself with the service of the prostitutes, and he did not go around collecting taxes, right? Even though those are the people he's hanging around with. So what we see is, is Matthew, the tax collector, and he says, follow me. That was Jesus' challenge. Following is a radical act of change. It means leaving behind something that he had been previously doing in order to follow Jesus. The thing that Jesus invited the tax collectors and the prostitutes into was a very different life. He didn't, but he also didn't call them to think of themselves as righteous. He did not call them to become like the religious people either. He called them to follow him. That would have meant leaving behind the tax collector booth. It would have meant following Jesus into something better. And it's a little bit more subtle in this text, but it's still there. Um, he gives a similar call to the religious people. It's not quite as blatant, but, but when he quotes Hosea, he quotes the prophet Hosea and he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It is a clear, clear indication, uh, invitation to the religious people to leave behind their self-importance and their insistence on propriety in order to follow Jesus. We all have to leave something behind in order to follow. Jesus comes into our mess, not with blanket approval of all of our lust and our greed and our idolatry, but he comes with an invitation to something better. He comes into our religious mess too, not with a blanket approval of our judgment and our self-righteousness, but he comes with an invitation to leave it behind and humble ourselves enough to follow Jesus, to bring the good news to the least of these. Let's pray. God, I want to follow you. I don't want to get hung up on my preconceived notions. Um, I want to follow you and who you are. So God, show me the places that I think I'm more important than I really am. Um, show me the places where I'm a mess and, uh, and God call me, um, show me how to follow you from where I am to where you want me to be. Uh, help us to help us to see you more clearly today in your name. Amen.